Well, good morning, Abundant Life. How are you guys doing today? Good to see you here. Good to see you here. We are continuing the series that we started back on Easter called Mercy. And the definition that we've given to the word mercy is the undeserved forgiveness of God and also the undeserved uh, and unearned favor that God gives to us, unearned blessings that God pours into our life and how you and I need the mercy of God every single day of our life. And today I want to talk to you about God's mercy and our usability. Usability has to do with something that is able or fit to be put to use. And so I want to know, do you think you're able or you're fit to be used by God in his purposes? Now, I, I come across people often who feel like they're unworthy to, to be used of God for his purposes. And I hope to change your thinking today on that. And it's all because of God's mercy. I want to begin by asking you a question today. Why did God put you on this earth? What's your purpose for being here? Why did he create you? What's your mission in this life? What's your mission on this earth? All of those are basically the same question, just coming at it from a different perspective. And what I want you to understand today is something very, very important when we talk about why God put us here and, and could God possibly use me? And this is what I want us to understand, is that you and I were not only created by God, we were created for God. Everybody say for God. You and I were created for God and for his purposes. And once we understand that, then we can begin to understand what I do and where I do it is not nearly as important as who I do it for. So you and I were designed to serve God. One of my favorite statements is one made by Mark Twain when he said the two most important days in a person's life are the day he was born and the day he finds out why. The day you were born and the day you find out why. I think that's a great statement. But I would add to it just a little bit. I would say there's a third day that is also just as important. And that's the day you were born again. Because once you're born again, you understand that, that you are here on this earth for a very unique purpose. God created you so that you could serve him. And oftentimes the way we serve God is by serving other people. From time to time, I have people to ask me the question. They'll sit down with me and say, you know, George, I'm just, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out what is it God wants me to do? Where does he want to use me? Why did he put me here on this earth? What decision should I make? Should I do this or should I do that? And I often will use the illustration of when Ann and I moved here to start this church because my belief is that sometimes we put God in this box. And whatever it is he wants us to do, it's got to fit in this box somewhere. And what I think is we make our boxes way too small. And God is so much bigger than the boxes that you and I want to put him in. And so... This illustration to uh, try to illustrate what I'm talking about, when Ann and I moved here to start Abundant Life Church 28 years ago, I was uh, an associate pastor of a church in Indianapolis, and we had been there about eight years. And it was a wonderful, wonderful ministry. And I was going to become the next senior leader at that church. 
But God had put it on our heart through a series of events and circumstances and people that we should go start a church. And so we thought, well, that sounds like a crazy idea, but let's think about it. And so we, we started thinking about it, and so we made uh, several visits and phone calls and stuff like that, and it came down to where, okay, we've got a choice. Either stay where we are or move to Portland, Oregon, and, and go start a church. And we thought, God, what do you want us to do? God, tell us. Please tell us what it is you want us to do. And guess what? He didn't. <laughs> he didn't tell us. And, and so I think he just kind of left it up to us. And I think many times God does leave it up to us because I believe that God directs our steps. And so Ann and I sat down, and we began to make a list of all the reasons why we should and move to Portland and all the reasons why we, we shouldn't. And we made a list of all the reasons why we should stay in Indianapolis and why we shouldn't stay. And obviously we made the decision to move to Portland, Oregon to start this church. And this is what I believe behind all of that is that if we had chosen, if our list had been longer to stay in Indianapolis, then God would have blessed that. He, he could have worked through that. Or, or if we made the choice to move to Portland, Oregon, God could bless that. Because I believe that, that the box is really big for God. And that once we figure out that we're on this earth for one purpose really only, and that is to serve God, then where you serve him and how you serve him isn't as important as that you serve him. And so we have to recognize the fact that, that you are created by God, but you are also created for God. And once you can land that plane, now life can be a whole lot easier and you have more options based upon what are your interests, what are your talents, what's your personality, what's your passion, all of those kinds of things. But the key, I believe, lies in some of the words of Paul when he said in, in Romans chapter 6, give yourselves completely to God. That's what you've got to do. You've got to just give yourself completely to God, every part of you, because you've been brought from death to life. That's the born-again part. You know, the day you were born, the day you figured out why, the day you are born again. That's the born-again part. When you were brought from death to life, and now you want to be used by God. You, you want to for good, for his righteous purposes. That's, that's why God has you on this earth, to do good for his purposes. Now, the challenge that many people face when it comes to this whole issue of, of being usable and God using them is some people think that they're not qualified to serve God, and other people think they're disqualified to serve God. A lot of people, because of their past, they think there's no way God could ever use me for his purposes, and so I'm disqualified because of my past. And other people think because they don't have the right gifts or they don't have the right personality, or the right whatever, that, that they're not qualified to serve God. And I want to show you today that that's a myth, that's a lie. And one of the best ways to look at that is to look at the life of Paul the Apostle that God used in phenomenal ways. And almost single-handedly, he spread Christianity throughout the Roman Empire. And, and Paul had a pretty bad past. He had a pretty rough past. And so we want to look at his life, and I want to show you today four secrets to being used by God. And, and it, it, this is all based on the mercy of God. And so actually the first one is simply that. Never forget, it's all about God's mercy. Just never forget that. It's all about God's mercy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul starts off by saying, through God's mercy. It's through God's mercy, this forgiveness that I don't deserve, the blessings that I haven't earned, that I had this ministry. 
He recognized it was by the mercy of God. Now, don't let the word ministry scare you, okay? Sometimes people, when they think ministry, what do they think? They think ministers, okay? Well, I'm not cut out to be a minister, okay? Well, guess what? You don't have to be. You can, you know, take a sigh of relief and a, and a, and a breath. Just take a breath. And you don't have to be a minister. The word minister or ministry is the same as servant or serving. And so all of us have the ministry or the opportunity or the responsibility to serve. Now, not everybody who is a, a Christ follower is a pastor. You don't have to become a pastor. But if you follow Jesus Christ, you are a minister. And so he's called you to this. And so all of you are going to minister or in this life that he's given to you are going to serve in different ways. You, many times you call it your job, okay? I'm not talking about your job necessarily. I mean, it may be how you make money and stuff like that, but in the bigger picture, it's your ministry. It's how you serve in this world, how you serve mankind. So some of you are really good with numbers. How many of you are great with numbers? Raise your hand. Yeah, six of you. Good, awesome. <laughs> and uh, all right. And so some of you are great with numbers, and so maybe your ministry or the way you serve in the world is, is as a banker or maybe uh, an accountant or something like that. Some of you are great with people, and you love people, and you like teaching. Anybody here love people, and you like teaching? Oh, more of you. Okay, we got the, the happier side of, of the equation here. And so your ministry could be teaching in some capacity. It could be as a mentor, as a coach, or as a, in a classroom, or, or in some other way. And, and so it could be that. For some of you, maybe your ministry would be like being a politician. You know, well, yeah, maybe I ought to think about that because I'm not sure that could be a ministry. Or uh, it's maybe, maybe it could be. But maybe you have a heart for politics and, and you want to serve God by serving your fellow man through politics or whatever it happens to be. What I'm talking about is that whatever you do, you, you do it because you were created for God. And that's all that is, is a means through which you live on this earth, you make an income, but for the ultimate purpose of serving God. And you're serving other people. In the book of Colossians, in chapter 3, is this fantastic verse where Paul says, whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it as if you were doing it, for Jesus himself. This is a principle that my mother ingrained in me as I was a kid growing up. Whenever it was time to mow the lawn, that was my job. And we had a big lawn, and I had to mow this thing. It took the better part of a day, and I would whine and complain about it. My mom would always remind me. She says, now, Baba, remember, when you mow the lawn, you do it as if you're doing it for Jesus. Yeah, 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 you know. And then whenever, you know, I had to wash the car or something like that, she would say, I can remember this like it happened yesterday. She would say, now, Bubba, remember when you wash the car, you do it as if you're washing it for Jesus, like it's his car. He's going to ride in it, you know. And, and she just ingrained that in me to where even today when I do things, when I work in the yard or if I'm preparing a sermon or whatever it happens to be, that thought comes back to mind every so often. Remember, George, you're doing this ultimately for Jesus. And, and so once we understand that, it begins to change our perspective. You see, you were created to make a contribution with your life. You're not on this earth just to take up space. 
God put you on this earth for a purpose, and ultimately it's to serve him because you were made for God, and you oftentimes do that in a variety of different ways. Now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, but God couldn't use me. There's just no way God could use me. Well, listen, listen to Paul and, and what he thought about this. He said in Galatians chapter 1, he says, you know what I was like and how I violently persecuted Christians. I did my best to get rid of them. I mean, he tried to wipe Christians off the face of the earth. But then something happened, for it pleased God in his kindness to choose me and to call me even before I was born. What undeserved mercy. Isn't that a beautiful passage of Scripture? Now, before, before Paul ever became a preacher, what was he? He was a persecutor of Christians. He hunt Christians down, and he killed them. What do you call those people today? Murderers. Somebody said lawyers in the first service. <laughs> what about terrorists? I mean, today, people who hunt down Christians and kill them, you'd call them a terrorist. Well, let me ask you a question. If God could convert a terrorist and use a terrorist to spread his message, to serve his purposes, do you think he could, re he could possibly use you? The answer is yes, because nobody in here is as bad, I don't think, as a terrorist. And, and so it all happens because of God's mercy. So if you think you're disqualified or you think you're unqualified, you can just release that notion because of God's mercy, he can use you. You see it all the time in Scripture. Abraham was 90 years old. And so some of you think, before God called him, some of you think you're too old to serve God. You know, and you're not too old to, 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 to kind of flip a switch in your mind and to, to look at every day you go to work or whatever you do to say, I'm doing this for Jesus today. Or Jacob, you know, he was a chronic liar. Jonah ran from God. Rahab was a prostitute. And you could just go down the list of all the people that God used, and he used a sordid bunch of people to accomplish his purposes on this earth. And so it all starts with understanding it's about God's mercy. Here's number two. Always be authentic. You just have to be real. You have to be you. You have to be the person that God created you to be. You be real. You be genuine. You be authentic. You just be you. You don't have to become somebody else. When you get to heaven, God's not going to look at you and say, why couldn't you be more like Abraham and have his kind of faith? And why couldn't you be more like Paul and have his kind of courage? Or why couldn't you be more like your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister? Or why couldn't you be like Pastor George? My goodness. And, and so he's not going to ask you that. What he wants you to do is just be you, the person he created you to be. Now, we can learn from other people, yes, but just be the person God created you to be. Again, this was Paul's thought. This was his idea in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, we teach the truth plainly, showing everyone who we really are. He said, we just want you to see us. This is who we really are. And he says, then they can know in their hearts what kind of people we are. They can just know what kind of people we are in, in God's sight. So if, if you're trying to be somebody that you're not, just because you think you're going to please God more or because you're going to please some boyfriend or some girlfriend or some other person, then all it's going to do is lead to a life of frustration and stress and everything else that comes with, with trying to fake it. I, I don't listen to country music a whole lot anymore. Once in a while, 
I'll flip it on. And, and, and I'm still hearing songs that I heard two or three years ago. That's because they're so good, they just don't go away. And so uh, there's this one song, and the line in the song goes like this. It's better to be hated for who you are than loved for who you're not. I think that's a great song. That'll preach. I could do a whole sermon around that. In fact, I'm doing a whole sermon around that right now. <laughs> better, better, to be hated, better to be hated for who you are than to be loved for who you're not. And so being authentic has a lot to do with just liking yourself. It has a lot to do with liking the person that God created you to be. I talk to a lot of people. Honestly, they don't like themselves. They struggle with who they are. And, and I oftentimes tell people, Listen, if if you're not happy with who you are, then you're never going to be happy with where you are or with who you're with. I mean, I watch people run from relationship to relationship to relationship, from church to church to church, from job to job to job, and it's, it's, you know, because they can't be happy anywhere. Well, probably at the root of that many times is they don't like themselves because if you're not happy with who you are, you're not going to be happy with who you're with or where you are and any of that stuff. And and so I want to encourage you. That, that, you know, if, um, if you find in life you, you have a hard time getting along with people or always at odds with people, sometimes at the root of that, it can be you're unhappy with yourself. And, and I work with people a lot. And, and I, I just may, let me just share with you a couple of principles that maybe could help you to learn to love and appreciate the person God created you to be. You, you might write these down. They're not in your notes. The first one is don't compare yourself with other people. I mean, so many times we, we get in this, this mode of comparing ourselves with others. I can, as a pastor, I can compare myself with pastors of the church, up the street, or I can compare this church with other churches, or as a husband, you can compare, as a wife, you can compare. Don't do that. Don't compare yourself with other people because you're always going to lose, always. You're, you can always find somebody who's better than you are, and, and then you get discouraged. You can al- always find somebody who's worse than you are, then you get prideful. And so you lose every time. In fact, the only person you ought to ever compare yourself to is who you were yesterday. And are you more like Jesus today than you were yesterday? That's, that's the only comparison you ought to do. Here's another one. Guard how you talk to yourself. How many of you talk to yourself? Some of you are saying, well, I don't think I do. And, well, <laughs> yes, you do. You just did. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you talk to yourself all the time. And, and, and I would encourage you to stop and think about how you talk to yourself. Because honestly, if, if I talk to you the way you talk to you, would I even be your friend? You're probably not. Probably not. Because I'd be saying things like, you're such an idiot. How could you be so stupid? You're the dumbest person on the face of the earth. If I were to say that to you, you'd say, I'm, not, I'm never going to that church again. Well, I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. But that's the, way, that's the way you talk to yourself many times. And, and so you really you have to guard just how you talk to yourself. Here's another one. Focus on your potential and not your limitations. So many times in life we look at all of our weaknesses and we focus on our weakness and, and, we, and we focus on our limitations. And, and many times uh, the problem is it's, it's not who you are that, that keeps you from, from doing whatever it is you want to do. It's, it's, it's who you think you're not. And, and you focus on your, your limitations. Here's another one. Just have the courage to be your best version of you. 
Have the courage just to be the best version of you, the best version of who God created you to be in your strengths and in your weaknesses. Just have the courage to do that. And what that's going to mean is many times stepping out of your comfort zone. Sometimes it's going to mean, uh, mean jumping and growing wings on the way down. And sometimes it's going to mean that whatever it is you step out to do, you have to do it ugly. Sometimes it means you have to do it afraid. Just do it. And, you know, most, most of the stuff I do in front of other people, I do afraid. And, and I do ugly, okay? But that's okay. Who cares anymore? And, and so just, just do it. But just have the courage to be your best version of you. And here's one more. Don't let other people determine your self-worth. Don't let other people determine your self-worth because God has already determined that about you. And so when you understand that you're a child of God and you realize it's all by his mercy then you don't have to fake it and you don't have to, 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 to try to be something you're not. You can be real. You can be authentic. You don't have to be perfect. I, I just honestly, I think, I think people today would prefer to relate to or have a leader or even have a pastor who doesn't set him or herself up as being perfect. Because nobody can equate to that. You just start talking about your strengths and all that stuff. People go, well, la-di-da, you know, whoop-de-doo, you know, who cares? Who cares? But the moment you start talking about your weaknesses and where you're a little bit challenged and, and messed up and broken, then people are drawn into that. They, they can identify with that because it's real, it's authentic, because everybody knows you're not perfect anyway. And so why try to pretend that you are? Okay? Ann and I were driving in the car the other day, and she was thumbing through a magazine. I don't remember what the magazine was about, but there was a, some ad, and the ad had a bowl, a picture of a bowl, and had some like cereal or something. Here's the picture right here. What do you notice about that? It, it has a chip in it, right? That's the first thing you notice. It has a chip in it. That's the first thing I noticed. And I thought, that's weird. Why would they put a bowl in a magazine trying to sell something that has a chip in it? And, and I, don't, I didn't take time to read it because I was driving. But, but I thought, that's a great illustration of what I'm talking about. I'm sure it has something to do with just presenting a, a picture of authenticity of something that's real, okay? So if that bowl was you... What would you do with the bowl? What would you? Some of you would throw it away, right? And, and a lot of you have kind of thrown yourself away. I'm no good anymore. I've got chips and all that stuff. Or you'd take it and turn it around, you know, so they could see your best side. Okay? And then, so, you know, but, but, but you, you like the fact that the chip is there. The reality is we all have chips. And that's just real. It's just, it's just authentic. So be authentic. Here's number three. Remember, it's not about me. It's not about you. In order to be usable for God, you have to remember, it's not about you. I'm not the center of the universe. The world doesn't revolve around me. People don't exist to serve me. And they don't exist to serve you. And you're not the center of the universe. And so when I forget that it's not about me, I start taking everything personally. But when I understand it's not about me, then I don't have to take it personally. Again, Paul in 2 Corinthians, in the same chapter, chapter 4, he says, Our message, it's not about ourselves. It's about Jesus Christ as the Lord. We are merely your servants for Jesus' sake. This verse has so much in it. He says, we're, all we are is servants which means I'm on this earth to serve other people, not have people serve me. We're servants for what? For Jesus' sake. In other words, what we're doing, we're doing for Jesus. This verse reminds me of when my dad used to pray. 
He always closed every prayer by saying, in Jesus' name and for his sake. And I wonder, where did he get that? Where did he get that? Well, you know, here's where it comes from. Twice in this chapter, Paul uses this phrase, and for Jesus' sake. And so the sooner I grasp that it's not about me, the better off life is going to be for me. This is one of the most countercultural statements and beliefs today because everything in the world today sends a message that's, that enforces selfishness. You know, it's all about you. Or, you know, I, I've got to do what's best for me. I've got to look out for number one. You know, you can have it all. You know, but we, we do it your way or whatever. And, and it all reinforces this message of, of selfishness. And it's not, about, it's not about me. And so I want you to re- repeat this phrase with great enthusiasm and great excitement. It's not about me. That's pretty good. That, that's pretty good. Let's, let's try another one. Um, the universe does not revolve around me. You guys are good. You guys are good. Okay, you, you got that. And so, and so when you and I can understand that, and, and you may have to tell yourself that 25 times a day. I mean, it's easy to do it in a crowd here and where the preacher's preaching about it, but, but tomorrow when somebody criticizes you, just remember, it's not about me. Tomorrow, when somebody cuts you off in traffic and they race you to the low, two, two lanes to one and they beat you out, okay, or you feel like you've got to beat them out, just remember, it's not about me, okay? And, and you get overlooked for a promotion, just remember, it's not about me. You get criticized, remember, it's not about me, okay? And, and when you can kind of get yourself in that framework, then, then you don't take everything so personally. And this really gets to the heart of why do you do what you do? Your motive. Why do you do what you do? Because what you do and who you do it for are important, but, but why you do it is very important. Why is so important? I, I think why is, is always more important than what. Be, and, and especially in the church, because in the church, it's easy to go from servant to celebrity. And I see that happen. You know, somebody steps into a position of leadership, and, and, and they were once kind of a humble person, and they get in some position of leadership, and then all of a sudden something switches, and they think they're a celebrity, and they start thinking they have more power than they have, and, and they start bossing people around, and they think people should be serving them and all this stuff. And it's easy to go from servant to celebrity. And, and so Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, listen, we are like clay jars. All we are is like clay jars in which this treasure, the treasure of the gospel is stored. And so the real power comes from God and not from us. And so we are nothing but clay jars. We're clay pots, right? And you know as well as I do that all of us are cracked pots, okay? All of us have cracks, all of us have chips, and we're all broken to some degree. And so what this calls for is a great sense of humility. When we talk about it, it's not all about you. My favorite definition of humility is the one that says humility, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking of yourself less. That's, that's a great definition of humility. And so here's number four. Number four is stay focused on eternity. Stay focused on eternity. This, this is about keeping the proper perspective in life. Because if you and I don't have the right perspective, what's going to happen is we're going to get overwhelmed by the current problems that you're facing in life. 
If you don't have the right perspective, you're going to get overwhelmed by the uncertainty of the future. You're going to get overwhelmed because you don't have the answers to everything. And you get overwhelmed. And so it's so important to have the right perspective. I want to illustrate that with this rope. I need two volunteers. And, and I'm not going to ask you to hold anything heavy. I just, I just want you to, to come and hold a rope. Bill, thank you for volunteering. This is going to be simple for you today. You are such a great volunteer. Would you come up too also and help? Thank you. Thank you. One here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want you guys to arm wrestle each other. Uh, no. Okay. You take that end and just back up just a little bit. Back up, back up right there. Bill, you grab the other end. Find the other end and just take the other end with you. Take it as far as it'll go. And it's going to go off the stage. Okay. So just go. Go, go, go. And just take it and stretch it out, stretch it out, stretch it out. I want, I want this rope to help you and me to understand perspective in relation to eternity. Keep on going. 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 Okay, there you go. Okay. Now, if, you know, if this is, this is life, okay, this, this part, let's say one inch right here. This is your life on this earth. Now, you hold it. It's your job. You hold it. One inch, okay, one inch. That's your life on this earth. Let's say you live to be 100 years old. That's it relative to eternity. Okay, that's it. And if you and I can learn to understand and see life from that perspective, it changes everything about the one inch. It changes everything about the hundred years that you live on this earth. Because now, all of a sudden, you can deal with the challenges. You can deal with the problems. You can deal with the uncertainty because you know this is not the end of it all. When you die, that's just a graduation. That's just a transition into eternity. We talked about this on Easter Sunday. And when you know that and you realize that, 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 you, that what you can see around you right now, the, the skin, the flesh, the people, all this stuff, I mean, that's for the one inch. That's it. But on the other side of the grave is all of this. I mean, it goes forever. It goes forever and it goes forever and ever and ever. And it changes your perspective because this is what gives meaning to this. This is what gives purpose to this. If this didn't exist, then this really doesn't even matter. But because this is real, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. But because this is real, it changes the meaning of this his purpose. Now, keep holding the rope. Bring up this scripture. Let me show you what I'm talking about. This is what Paul says. These little troubles that, that we're getting ready, that, that are getting us ready for an eternal glory that will make all of our troubles seem like nothing. So these small troubles you're facing right now, whatever they happen to be, it could be financial, relational, it could be, it could be health-wise, whatever it happens to be, these things, the little one inch, is getting you ready for all of this eternity. And if you and I could just grasp what God has for us in eternity, it'd blow your mind. You see, so many people today, all they're living for is this. It's all they're living for is this. That's why they're selfish. That's why they're frustrated. That's why they're worried and concerned and, and all this stuff because all they're living for is this. That's it. But if you can flip that switch in your mind to realize, no, it's not about this. It's about this. Once you know that, not only, now not only do you know that it's not all about you, now you come to understand neither is it all about now. It's not all about now. It's about eternity. That's what it's about. 
And so Paul says, he says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared. Imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. And so he goes on and he says in, in Corinthians, so we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. That's this stuff right here. We look forward to what we have not yet seen. So you've not seen any of this yet, but you look forward to that. And he goes on, for the troubles we, will, we see, they're soon going to be over. They're going to be over. If you live for 100 years, guess what? It's soon going to be over. It's going to be over. But joys to come will last how long? Forever. Forever. And if you can just get that perspective of life, then it changes the meaning of life. It changes why God made you. Let's give these guys a hand. Thank you, guys. You can just drop it. Just drop it. You're cool. Thank you, guys. It changes everything. It changes everything. So to come back to the question, why did God put you on the earth? Why did he give you the inch? Why did he put you there? You were made by God, and you were made for God. And so this life is kind of like a warm-up act. It's kind of like a, a preparation for eternity that God has in store for us. What he wants for you and me on this side of the grave is to live our life in such a way that we honor him. You may think, I'm not qualified to do that. Yes, you are. Jesus makes you qualified. You may think, I've disqualified myself. No, you haven't. Jesus can forgive anything. If you've gave Paul and used him, I know he can forgive you and use you. But it begins with humility. Humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He wants to give grace, wants to give mercy to you. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head. And as we close out today, would you just simply humble yourself before God and in your heart say, God, I want to be used by you. And God, I, I want my life to count for you whether I'm a banker or a teller or a bus driver or an accountant or a politician or a policeman or a fireman or a doctor or whatever I am, God, I want my life to count for you. And help me, Lord, to do everything I do, to do it as if I'm doing it for you. And it changes the meaning and the purpose of your life. And some of you here today, you need to be born again. You've been born, and you may not have figured out why yet, but if you can be born again, by coming to faith in Jesus Christ, well, I'll tell you what, that's not only the most important day in your life now, it's the most important day relative to all eternity. And so today, if you've not come to faith in Jesus, I want to extend that invitation to you. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me, if that's your desire. And again, as I always do, I invite you, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, to also pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the life you've given to me. And I realize I need Jesus. And so, by faith, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Give me meaning. Give me purpose. Help me to understand my mission. To serve you by serving others. I pray this in your name. Amen.